Hello and welcome to the Roasted Games Podcast. I am Kaz Gable. And I am Bill Price. And today uh, we are both recovering <laughs> from sicknesses, so it's, we might sound like to- to- totally different people uh, over the podcast today. I am a little hoarse and I will probably be, you might hear some clacking of a <laughs> cough drop in my mouth. I'll try to edit that out, so hopefully you won't hear that. But... Uh, and Bill's getting over. His allergies are destroying him at the moment. And I, I should say getting playing, over, fighting at the moment, his allergies. I will be playing some smooth jazz. Bill has a deep, <laughs> deep man's voice because we're both going through puberty. And hopefully by the end of this episode, we'll be real men. Real finally. men. We can call our fathers and tell them it finally happened. I'm so excited. <laughs> um, let's right. see. What, should we get right into uh, what we played? What we played. Yep. Okay. Uh, I only played... Sick. I was sick, so I missed game night. Um, and uh, but I did play something over the weekend. I went um, and uh, went over to our buddy Kevin's place, and he has one of one of Kevin's games that we all have. These games that we've never played, and um, Kevin's has uh, Doomtown. He was telling me about that. Yeah, yeah, and so. Um, he and I, I, I didn't. We were talking a while ago, and I was just like, "Yeah, I'll, I, sounds interesting. I'll try that out." I was, I. The only thing I knew about Doomtown before is that it was like poker. There was an element of poker, and that immediately turned me off yeah. because I'm just, I'm just not a fan of poker. I, I have nothing against poker; it's just not my game. I like poker. Yeah, I, it's a good game. I, I get why people like it. I just, I don't know, it just doesn't do it for me. So I, so usually when people want to play poker, I'm like, eh, that's cool. I'll do something else. But uh, so I was never really interested in it. But when we played it, um, I have to say it was really interesting how it incorporated poker, uh, the aspects of poker. Uh, I really liked it. So it's a it's a game set in the West. It's like an alternate history game set in the West. The initial setup for the game is pretty straightforward. There's like um, uh, townspeople, and then there's like outlaws who live in the hills. And however, as I understand, the game expands out to having like supernatural elements, where there's like creatures or monsters or abominations that can come in as you build your decks. They get more like kind of crazy. But what you're doing is um, you have uh, a deck of cards that you start with. You can build your own deck, or you can start with a beginner deck, which is what we did because we never played before. Makes sense. And uh, yeah, <laughs> and um, you're uh, you uh, just like any deck builder, you're getting five cards uh, in a turn, and then you are playing these cards out in whatever way you see fit. So you initially start with your initial people at your home base. Um, you have a location card that is static. I think you only have one per game like in a deck it's like one per deck like location you start at <clears throat> and then you um are trying to get victor points and the way you get victor points are through um deeds so basically there are other properties that you erect on your territory that you earn victory points out of and the whole point is to have more victory points than uh, you'll have more victory points at the end of a round than influence i think it's called uh that the other player has so there's two poker chips on the cards the deed locations have like a blue poker chip with a number. It's usually very small. It's like one, maybe two, sometimes zero. And then influence is a red poker chip on the uh, the character play, uh, cards that are like one or two and sometimes zero as well. And so what <clears throat> you're trying to do is sort of maneuver around them and offset them and bait them to using their character abilities to, or characters to take them out of having influence in the end of the round or maneuver your characters and deeds to have more um uh, points at the end of the round and anyway over the course of the game you're going to be just trying to jockeying for position there while you're doing that 
you're, it really does do a great job of capturing like a wild, dusty, wild west frontier town feel where I was the outlaws and uh, Kevin was, I think, the equivalent of the good guys. Um, and you would kind of send your your guys into town and you can go right into the town square, the t- uh, like Main Street, and sort of just sort of mosey along Main Street threateningly. And nothing will happen unless the other player like challenges you to a duel or a fight or initiates a shootout or they... Uh, there's a variety of reasons you would do that, but you can also um, be even really daring and then go over to their property, their plot of land, their little side of town that they're building on. And just basically, if you put a character in front of their building, you can stop that building from earning or doing anything. You're just sort of like standing there being like, nice building you got here. It'd be a shame if something happened to this. But you're not hurting it. You're just preventing it from doing anything positive for him, which is kind of cool. So he has to either accept that, that you're wasting a guy to be over here, but you're also negatively impacting him. Um, or he will have to go and sh- have, send the guy to like fight you and get kick you off. And then you, once a shootout occurs, you have to. You can decide how many. Um, it's called forming a posse. Uh, you can throw other players into that shootout, but they have to be a certain distance away. So if you send some guy way off to a ranch, you can't suddenly reinforce him with a bunch of other guys unless they're one uh, spot away from there. Um, so that's a cool dynamic too. It really does feel, even though it's a small board or it's not really a board it's a small layout mm-hmm. it does feel like you're in this dusty town and then there'll be like a ranch way out in the boonies and you got to run out there because that's earning you victory points but there's some ne'er-do-well who's roaming around scaring all the cattle and uh, they're not scoring your points so you got to shoo him away but when you shoo him away your your cow hen your, your cowboy that you sent out there well he can't come back and help you with the main shootout in town because these upstarts are trying to challenge your base anyway it does a really good feel of capturing the wild west feel hmm. um the way the poker comes into it <clears throat> is each card has uh, a poker a number and then a suite on it and a color just like regular poker cards it's not your decks that you start with aren't 52 cards so it's not the same odds as a poker deck and depending on how you build your deck you can stack the poker hands one direction or another i think i predominantly had like um four sevens threes and sixes for some reason and uh, um and so at certain times of the game, you're going to, and I should have looked this up before I started, but I'm drumming exactly, but in shootouts, what you're going to do is you're going to draw and play poker decks. Uh, there's elements in the game that, that uh, interact or modify this, but basically what you're going to be doing is drawing bl- blank off the top of your deck, mm-hmm. a new hand of five cards, or if you have modifiers, you can draw more than that, and the modifiers also allow you to um, throw away and replace cards, and trying to make the best poker hand you can and that's how you win the shootout that also means that you're flying through your deck really fast you're cycling your deck really fast because at the end of the round or the beginning of the round maybe i can't remember exactly which you're also going to do a blind five card draw only you don't get to replace or do anything with it and that's oh it's it's the beginning because that's determined start player so two times in a round you're going to be just blindly you're drawing five at least five card poker hands and comparing them the beginning of the round is interesting because you want to be the low you want to lose that one because the loser gets to start be the start player the um, the uh, shootout though you want to win because that you know and then you win the shootout and then the amount of points over um, the better the hand like let's say you have a straight or uh, you have two of a kind and um, they have like a straight flush which is a couple in their ranking system a couple um, uh, ranks higher right. they have to take damage 
to how many ranks higher your winning hand was to their hand. So let's oh, say okay. it's like uh, it's three ranks higher. They have to take three damage, and three damage can mean injuring three people, or you can take two damage to like straight up kill someone and injure someone else. So anyway, it's an interesting system. It works really well though. And then um, the other thing is, is with those because you are have a lot of uh, the same number. Those numbers will have different um, suite or suits on them, and there's a, an interesting mechanism in it where if you use two of the same card, you are what's called cheating. You can do it. It's totally legal, but you leave yourself open to them playing a gotcha card, which is a cheating card uh, uh, or like a caught you cheating card. And it's usually they're really powerful. And so usually in your five card hand, you want to have at least one of those in there just to be prepared for that or no keep them on their toes and prevent them from cheating. So once again, it also feels really wild westy in the poker is that you're going to try to cheat if you can get away with it. Right. But if they catch you out, they can really go after you for it. But inevitably, just by the odds, you're going to cheat sometimes. So like if you have, you can have five threes or, or you can have four threes or whatever you want to do. Um, uh, but they can get go after you for it. And you definitely win, but they can potentially go after you for it. So anyway, it really, really is well designed and capturing a Wild West feel and theme and um, the whole aspects of it, like poker and running around with a posse and raiding people and shootouts. It, it's it's a pretty cool game. That sounds cool. Yeah, when uh, I got there, I was playing Space Race with Kevin, and uh, it's like he was, I don't know, testing the honesty of our friendship. And he's like, did Kaz tell you he uh, came to my house and we played Doomtown? I'm like, no. Well, never, every, time, every time I leave Kevin's house, I say, no, we're not telling Bill, right? And he agreed, so now I have to have a talk with Kevin. Yeah, that's kind of awkward. You guys need to get your story straight. I'm like, no, I haven't talked to Kaz since then. I would be weird. He doesn't normally just like call me up and be like, hey, how's it going? <laughs> more of just like a douchey like, Guess what brag. I did. Guess what you were, Nat? <laughs> <laughs> so uh that that sounds fun that sounds really interesting i've actually seen doomtown at uh the wizard's chest sometimes when i'm going staring at their yeah shelves of pawn shelves of games i'd never heard of it's interesting um, it's like it's it a looks, game it looks neat. it's really fun it's a it's one of those games though that i don't know i don't know if i would personally buy it i, th- I think it's great i like the fact that Kevin owns it or a friend owns it, and then it's easy to play because, first of all, I thought it was only two-player, but apparently you can play like three or four, I think. Mm-hmm. And actually, maybe even more. But I'd really like to see how that feels because um, it works really well as a two-player game, and I think it'd be really fun with the group. But it's also one of those games where it's like Arkham Horror LCG where you really want to be into that genre and be into the collecting and the deck-building side of it. Is that, that is like, is that a living card game or is it a collectible card game? I don't know, actually. I, I know there's like booster packs and yeah. like a lot of expansions and things like that for it. I think it's dead now, but... Yeah, because, well, um, that's my that's what I was going to look up is, was it one fell swoop Kickstarter? Because it's not like Kevin got everything, as far as I understand, in the Kickstarter. I think they released something later that he doesn't have. But basically in the Kickstarter with all hmm. the... With all the uh, bonuses, he got pretty much the entire gamut of expansions and everything. So it's pretty much endless, endless to him. What what uh, you know combinations of decks he wants to make? Almost too wow. much, overwhelmingly probably. Yeah, but I'd be, I'd be interested <clears throat> in playing that. But it would be like I think it's a fun. It's it's just there's there's a lot of Wild West games, but this game really does a great job of capturing the feel of it. And I think it'd be really fun with a group um, to see how the dynamics play out because. With two, it's very clear, especially with the beginner decks, bad guys, good guys. It's very obvious, you know, as the bad guys, I was just like, well, I'm just going to be a jerk. Then. I'm just going right. to try to be as bad as I can. And uh, But um, but with four, you'd have to create, or three or four, you'd have to create allies 
at least temporarily, but inevitably you're going to backstab each other. Um, but even in my, my mind, I don't think the backstabbing is like that catastrophic. Like it's annoying and you're probably going <laughs> to hold grudges for it, right. but it wouldn't end the game for you if you got backstabbed. You know what I mean? So yeah. I think it's probably well designed that way, but I'd really like to try it. So yeah, I don't know. It's one of those games that it's, I liked it a lot. I probably wouldn't buy it myself, but I would love to play it again okay. for sure. Yeah. I, uh, we played, uh, space base, obviously space base. Um, we played parade after that. Although, um, what is, uh, what's the game? Arcana. Res Arcana, Res Arcana. Got played, um, again, not by me, but, uh, by all the people that played with me last time. Uh, so apparently they, <laughs> they really liked it. Um, got played a couple times actually. And I, I finally figured out, uh, here recently why I don't think that it, it absolutely captured me, uh, the way that it could have. And I think it, it goes back to what we talked about, I think last week about theme versus mechanics. Mm-hmm. It is a, as close to a game of mechanics or mechanisms as I can think of. It's uh, it took me out of the, the whole theme of it. Uh, even though it had, you know, the pieces were custom and everything, and it, it's absolutely phenomenal presentation. Um, but it ve- felt very much like, okay, on my next turn, I'm going to turn this, collect this, turn this, collect this, check this resource. If I have this, then this. And if I don't, then I do this other thing. Then I'm going to pass, and then I'm going to take this particular thing. And it's never like, hey, uh, when... When it's my turn, I'm going to, you know, use my wizard to gather more flame. It's it's just I'm going to turn this card and and get these yeah this resource. And so, was, for me, it just didn't connect the mechanism and the theme enough. Uh, as far as so so, it very much felt like an abstract game, which is fine. I don't love abstract games. Uh, I like abstract games; they're just fine. Uh, but it really because I think it was trying to be theme heavy and just really seemed to fall flat for me, but everybody else who played it, I mean, to a man absolutely loved it. Hmm. So um, I really want to try this one. Yeah. All three of the people that I played it with last time, as soon as we, they got there, like, I want to play Res Arcana again. And I'm like, Oh, I want to, Oh, look, space space. <laughs> so yeah, um, I have the same, I feel the same way, but I, I'm really curious to play it to see how my thoughts on it as well, because I, this, I was thinking about this the other day, and like, I I also like um, have pretty heavy Euro games, well, like tightly designed games. But I also there's several games that I just don't that ruins it for me because it's too tight. There's not enough slop in the design. Like there should be, it just feels that. like you're like you're saying it's got a, it, this. These are the steps that I take, and these are the inevitable steps. And there's really no reason not to take these steps. And it's clear that if this is not here, then I would obviously do that. Um, and it kind of the theme over the mechanisms or the mechanics, however we want to say it. But anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm really curious about Rex Arcana. Arcana, sorry. Arcana. Yeah, there we go. Ar- Arcana. No, Arcana, I think you're right. I'd... I think I'm just, I keep thinking text Arcana. So, uh, yeah. I'd... So I think you're right. I think it's Arcana because it's Arcana. Uh, I don't know. Everybody says it differently. I think I said it differently for like three different ways <laughs> last time. So, um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's about all I played. Um, pretty, pretty light play week. But um, this week, I think we moving on. Uh, moving I think on. we wanted to get to our top five lists of 
games I wish I had designed. <laughs> Let's do it. Okay. You want to jump in? You want to kick it off? Um, I will go first this time. Um, I'm going to guess that you have. I'm going to guess we have both have one crossover at least. I'm I'm betting money on it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm pretty positive. It, we both know which one it is. But uh, other than that, I think I think we'll have a pretty diverse list. There might be one more, but. No, actually, no, I take it back. I think I like that one more than you do. Okay. All right, let's do it. All right, so um, I'm going to start off with an honorable mention because uh, I actually put six on my list, <laughs> so I'm sorry. I oh, totally screwed up our, fa- our format here. Um, that is chess. <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to uh, just mention Dominion. Oh, we've talked about mm. Dominion before with deck builders. Um <laughs> It, <laughs> you mean I, oh that genre defining game that right, you wish you made? Right. Wish I had designed that because then <laughs> mainly I mainly for be, the money. Right. Then I could be the godfather of retired um, deck builders. Um, it it has no theme. It, it's but it was a very original mechanic at the time. So uh, that's kind of my my. Uh, I I've always wanted to be known as like the godfather <laughs> of insert mechanism here. So, um, but my my actual uh, number five is uh, Raiders of the North Sea. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't play this game a lot. Um, I don't think it's necessarily the most engaging game. I, I like it just fine. Um, I think it's it's fun. Uh, the thing that I really, really like about it and makes me wish I had designed it is because of uh, how innovative the worker placement mechanism that it introduces yeah. is. And... Uh, something like worker placement, people are always thinking, oh, that's been done. All worker placement games are the same. It's, uh, you know, they, they have this feel. They sort of have this this genre-defining thing, kind of <laughs> similar to deck builders in that, you know, a straight deck builder is a straight deck builder. Um, but this actually incorporates an idea where there are, uh, each player has a pawn in their hand of uh, a certain color. You start off with one and you can... Uh, based on how you play through, you can end up with um, lighter colors, which are more powerful. Um, but the idea is that there's already existing pawns in certain locations on the board, and what you do on your turn, you're going to take two actions, two worker placement actions. You're going to take your pawn in your hand, you're going to place it on an open spot somewhere, depending on what color your pawn is, it's going to do something. And then you're going to take another pawn somewhere else on the board and pull it back off the board in front of you. And whatever you pulled it off of, that action you're going to take. So you you have to be really careful um, as far as uh, the particular order that you do things in because uh, some things... You know, you have to do the one thing before you do the other. And if you know the other person is really wanting to do something first, you can make sure not to place that one first because then they'll... Uh, or make sure you want to cover it up so that they have to play it second. Um, but it's a really, really neat worker placement mechanism that I haven't ever seen in any other game. And that's what drew me originally to playing it. And uh, I just think that's really, really fascinating from a design perspective and these are all games these are not necessarily a list of my my favorite games these are games that i there's something so cool or so innovative either in the theme or the mechanism 
that it made me say, man, I wish I'd have thought of that. Yeah. I wish I could have done that that part of it because it, it's so original. I think that is uh, a really cool take. You don't see a lot of innovative uh, worker placement mechanisms these days, and I think that uh, deserves some big applause. So Yeah, I remember having the same feeling with playing Raiders for the first time as well, where you, you know, like you said, worker placement is just one of those mechanisms that's been around for a long time people like it it's satisfying to play with it feels satisfying to grab a meeple and put them somewhere but then playing it and being like oh this is totally new this feels very different and a different way to think about this and strategize yeah i like i felt the same way i really really enjoyed raiders um raiders as well i'm trying to think is there any do you know of any other games that kind of took that and uh ran with it yet or is that pretty much not that i've yeah. seen i'm, I'm, I'm sure, sure there's something but there's a handful of them out there but uh given how many thousands of new games come out yeah. every year they'd have to be they'd have to do something pretty remarkable i think for people to start talking about them so yeah um it's certainly not that's coming to the mainstream so yeah it felt like the exact opposite of like how Sulkin feels where you have like all, most worker places you put one on and then another turn you take it off and Sulkins can almost be an interminable wait <laughs> to wait till that guy ticks around right. the wheel to long enough and then i i definitely do this a lot where i'm like oh, i miscalculated that so i guess this turn i will just skip it and watch you guys yep. do stuff and watch my guys tick around the oh, wheel right. <laughs> it yes. just felt so nice to be able to put one on block but also plan for your next turn and then take one off and get resources so it felt you're constantly yeah. having these multifaceted channel or turns that each turn so yeah, yeah really all satisfying the, all the placements are, are all valid options too it's not yeah. like yeah there's no certain placement. spots yeah yeah where you're like oh no one will ever take that or no one will ever. I mean, those are all, all the spots do something cool. They get you something cool. They give you a feeling of accomplishment. So, uh, very well done there. Yeah. Uh, let's see. All right. So mine is once again, mine are not in any particular order, but, um, mine, uh, is Aeon's End. This is a game that, um, I really like co-op games and this game it's just a really good co-op game. And the reason why I wish I would have designed it is it just, it just does co-op really well. Um, I like the game, everything about the game, but the co-op part just feels like you have a lot more autonomy than a lot of co-op games like pen, like the, you know, the big one pandemic that everyone knows. It just feels like you are able to, it lessens the problem with quarterbacking because you have more options as a character to play your role in different ways. A lot of times I will play the healer, especially because I teach the game a lot. So inevitably I am healing people, but because of the deck building aspect of it and there are ways to build your deck as you're going through the game, you can suddenly become a healer and something else that's incorporated to the game, whatever you want to be. So right. you have this core ability that is important and you will be using most likely, but you are also defining how you engage with the game really well. So it, it takes away that quarterbacking problem that a lot of co-ops have. And I just think it does it really well. And it's a really good game. So I love Aeon's End. I would highly recommend you check it out. Yeah. I actually have played that with you and Kevin. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, I enjoyed it. I was a little lost my first go through. So uh, I don't think I was able to explore it to its fullest extent, but it sort of reminded me a little of um, Sentinels of the Multiverse. Yeah. In that, yeah. Uh, that it does prevent that quarterbacking uh, that's so common in uh in cooperative games where uh because you're not just oh you're the technician so you always do this yeah oh you're the cleanup guy 
you go clean that up on the next turn. Oh, you're the transport guy? Well, transport me over here so I can start doing <laughs> I don't this. I care what you want to do. I have to get over yeah. there because I'm the engineer or whatever exactly. I am. Exactly. Yeah. That's my job. That's what I do. Whereas, yeah, in both of those games, it's, it's very much uh, uh, depending on what you've got, you can do a multitude of different things. You could heal. You could, uh, you know, just start equipping yourself. You could, you know change the board state you can do all sorts of yeah things that people may not even know you can do because you're not sitting there playing with you know cards exposed to everybody so yeah um yeah i think that's a really really neat way to uh to avoid that and i think it does it very well so yeah i'm always choice. excited to try a new take on co-ops actually there's been a lot recently in the last couple of years that have sort of been done really well or gone in the direction of obviously getting away from quarterbacking because it's the co-op's biggest problem. Right. But I always I really love co-op games and the the sense of gameplay that comes. So it's always fun to experiment with different structures. And those are definitely two of the best to avoid that problem with one player taking control. Even a player knows what they're doing. They can't really say, well, you have to do this because you probably have two good options. So Right. Well, um, all right. What do you got next? My number four, actually, uh, your game segues into this really well, um, because this is what I would commonly refer to as a semi co-op game, which <laughs> I think was a uh, really neat invention to avoid quarterbacking because it it puts people primarily in league with the other players, but somewhat selfish in their play because they have their own agenda oh i think i know what you're saying and of course i speak of dead of winter. yes <laughs> um <clears throat> and the reason uh oddly enough the reason that i wish i had designed this game is not necessarily because of the semi-co-op nature um because what what this game does is it gives everybody these secret objectives you can uh win as a team but you don't actually win, share in that win, if you don't achieve your objective. So that kind of makes you, you might do something that somebody else is like, why are you doing that? And you're like, just, just, you know. Just, you know, it just seems like the just right cause. decision. Yeah. Um, but the, the reason I wish I had designed it is because of the, um, the crossroads cards. I think that whole crossroads system is really, really cool. Did you ever play Dead of Winter? I have not played it, so explain crossroads. Okay. I know so, I know the broad structure of the game, but it's uh this was by Plat Hat Games and it was uh the quote first of the crossroads games. It's okay. a crossroad game. Um and the crossroads was kind of this system that they came up with where it's just a, it's a big deck of cards. And it's uh, basically like a choose-your-own-adventure set of cards. So when a certain thing happens... So every turn, basically, uh, the person behind you... It's like if it's your turn, the person to your left grabs a crossroads card, reads it, and then waits. And it'll say something like, if during this turn um, Alicia is in play, or if during this turn Santa Claus visits the you know, gas station or something like that. Or if on this turn there's more food than garbage or something like that, mm -hmm. um, then trigger this card. Okay. A lot of times it won't trigger, but sometimes it will. Huh. And then, so you, they'll say, okay, the crossroads cards triggers. So they'll read it and it's got really neat, um, uh, good atmosphere, you know, to it. It's, it's oozing with theme. Um, and it gives you a choice. Okay. 
You know, it's like, hey, you discover in the gas station um, a family of four who are begging to let you stay, uh, to, to, for you to let them stay with you back in the camp. They have uh, four food and a gun that they're willing to contribute to the team. What do you do? Do you say okay. yes? Do you say no? And depending on what you say... It's just your um, decision? It's not it's, something you share with the group? It's just your decision. Yeah. Um, everyone will know, but you can... I mean, if you're playing it right, you say, this is my decision, everyone shut up. Yeah. Um, people can put in their, their two cents or what have you, but you don't have to listen to it. Um, and ultimately, it usually leaves you with things like, um, if you accept the family in, then you have to you know, take two food out of the supply. Or something like that. Um, or if you, you know, reject them, then you don't get this extra stuff. Or hmm. something like that. Um, I know this is a, that I didn't make this sound amazing. But, <laughs> no, uh, actually, it, I really like that. It actually is really, really neat because they don't trigger all the time. So right. it's not like this this thing where you're constantly, okay, you have to sit and wait for the person to read the crossroads card. It's uh, It might happen might happen once a round it might happen once every couple of rounds it might happen three times in a round right depending on what cards are drawn and all of them that i've seen are uh, and i've played this a bunch of times uh but i'm never going to make it through this tag this is gigantic stack um they're all difficult decisions and they're all very rewarding and punishing at the same time so you're just sort of weighing and a lot of times you don't know what your decision's going to cost you, but sometimes you do. Sometimes okay. it'll say, choose this and take blah, 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 or choose this and take blah, blah, blah. Okay. Yeah, that's a nice thing. Um, and sometimes the choices are both bad. You know, huh. choose this and lose this, or choose this and lose this. Right. Which sucks. Yeah. But, you know, um, so it's it's a, just a really neat concept that there's a, there's a trigger right. for, for it, and I, I think that's really, really cool, and it's... Uh, uh, and if anyone's never played Dead of Winter, it's a zombie game. So it's a zombie survival yeah. game. So uh, that, I think that's, I regret not playing it. <laughs> I, am, uh, I think that's what turned me off at the time. 2014 was when it came out. And I remember just being sick of zombies. <laughs> but yeah. I know I, I've read and or seen a lot of videos about Dead of Winter. And the all of the in systems that they have designed in to make you, like you're saying, you your character really feels like your own and you're not like no one can tell you how to run it because there's a lot of information you have. They don't. And also you, those decision-making processes that they throw into the game are really interesting. I, it's a game I really want to play. Yeah, it is um, really neat. You play a couple different characters. It sounds so dynamic. And they're very unique characters and they compare to each other and they all have uh, really unique powers and abilities. And based on your secret agenda cards, I mean, it's nobody has any idea if you're, playing the way you're playing because of an agenda. There's also a, a traitor mechanism. So there could be a traitor. Right. But there could not be. Right, right. So nobody knows, okay, are you doing this because your goal is to have six junk cards in your hand at the end of the game? Or are you playing this way because you're the traitor and you're trying to tank the whole huh. crew? Which, right. Which I think is really neat. Uh, especially if you're playing with the right group of people. Yeah. Um, that was the other turnoff too. I mean, I remember thinking like, well, this was before too. Well, this is probably before I was really knew anyone in game group, seriously. So, 
or knew the game group. Anyway, and so I was just thinking, like, you have to have the right group. So, what are your? Have you yeah. any had any bad playthroughs with the game where it fell apart um, or just was unsatisfying? I, I haven't. I've played with um, mostly the same group of people I, I play most games with. Does it play um, up to five? I I, I want to say five or six. six? Um, it it is more than four, so it is it is kind of one of those games you can bring in some extra people. Yeah. Too. Um, max players can can take some time. Um, it also has different scenarios you can run through. So there's always different uh, like end goals and there's uh, difficulties. So you know if it's on the easy side or you can flip it to the super hard side or whatever. Um, so it has a lot of really really good replayability and the crossroads cards make it literally infinitely replayable. Right, right. When you combine the agendas with the trader, with the different scenarios and objectives, and the crossword cards that literally could be anything, <laughs> anywhere, anytime, uh, it's about the most replayable game I can think of. Yeah. So they did a great job as far as that goes. And that's the, the crossroads mechanism is one that I, um, I'm super jealous of, and it's one I wish I had designed. <laughs> it's I, whenever I think of those types of um, mechanisms and games, I always just think that is such a massive amount of writing to do. I mean, so just thinking about work. the development, oh God. just and how to each one of those cards, so figuring out how it's going to impact the game and how you know the game test out the kinks of that system. Oh, pretty you, impressive. Pretty and impressive. you got to imagine some of those are not very can't they can't all be perfectly balanced oh for sure yeah so even you know a couple of those maybe that play off of each other that happen to come close together could trigger a game state that like catastrophic yeah (laughs) yeah you know that could just be oh my god this is literally the perfect storm of good or bad yeah so that's uh yeah i think there's a lot of neat possibilities and that's a very very cool game we should play it yeah i definitely would love to play it um okay my uh, I, I navigated away to my list here we go back to it all right um uh, next one for me is um just one of my favorite games i just it's a it's a combination of several mechanisms that everyone's experienced but the way it's combined um it's just it's so smooth uh, that's concordia concordia is just <laughs> concordia is just such a satisfying chill game to me it's my wife and my one of my our favorite games to play together plays really well as a two-player game it stacks really well although it gets exponentially longer <laughs> um, right. with a full complement but it's just it's just a satisfying uh game and there's nothing exact i guess i just wish that i designed i'd just the combination of mechanisms together the card drafting from or the card purchasing from the marketplace you all start with a um small deck of cards that you build off of everyone has the same one and then you implement other cards from the marketplace um, into your deck to make it more potent based on your strategy and then uh, as well as that you're also um sending emissaries you're a uh, you're a merchant is what you are in rome and so you're sending emissaries throughout the land to gather resources to allow you to purchase more cards and then so that everything ties in really really well and it's kind of a minor test your luck thing uh, thing of do i go after territories right now because they're cheaper at the moment and then hope that no one buys the card i want or do i um gobble up the cards as quick as possible and then be poor and then have to scramble for resources? anyway there's always just this feeling of things are happening and there's a lot of options and it's just satisfying and it goes uh relatively quickly turns go pretty quickly and there's something that you need to pay attention on other people's turns and also it has the thing that um if they can trigger an event which benefits them but can also benefit you if you're paying attention and trying to 
incorporate that in your strategy, you can right. get all these payoffs in and uh, vicariously through their turns. So just a combination of satisfying mechanisms put together in a creamy deliciousness, a custard that is Concordia. Mm. Yes. I was positive that, that we were going <laughs> to hear on every this one. But um, yeah, the, uh, the couple of times I've played, it's uh, it, I like it a lot. It's got a lot of good, interesting choices. The, the mechanisms work extremely smoothly together. Yeah. Um, it's just a good, there's not one, like people say, oh, well, that's a worker placement game or that's a deck builder, but it has a lot of different elements that where you can't just narrow it down as this yeah. is a, an area control game or what have you. It, uh, it really kind of reaches above that that definition so i i think that's really cool yeah Excellent game. it's kind of like early on in that way where it's like you can't define it but those the mechanisms work right they're, they're each dominant and they're each necessary and you have to go through each of them so it's all tied together to and together they make yeah you can't really delicious ignore, stew. you can't really yeah. ignore one piece of it which is got i find a lot of games that that hodgepodge a ton of different mechanisms in you can focus on one or two yeah and still kind of win the game or at least do really well. Uh, but the the good <laughs> Always, ones are ones where you sort of have to blend every piece. You can't just forget about yep. one piece of it. So. And it makes me just think of our play with John on Blood Rage every time where, where he literally yeah. ignored one of the most important things in the game and won. And, won. and we were both astounded. Like, like, how did you do that? That's not how, how do you have no rage? And you won. What kind of Viking are you, sir? Yeah, that's not even supposed to work that way. Like, literally, it's broken. <laughs> yeah, you, you broke it, John. Yeah. You broke it. Congratulations. That's <laughs> terrible. And we never heard from him again. Ever again. Uh, all right. What do you got next? All right. Uh, my next one is, uh, it's probably my wife and I's favorite two-player game together. Uh, we probably played this a hundred times or more, maybe 200, maybe more than that. Um <laughs> And the thing I love about it so much is that I still feel like I almost have no idea what the right strategy is. <laughs> and that is uh, Hanami Koji, which is a two-player yep. two right. game. This is the one I, th- I knew. It was. And uh, it is, at its core, it is, uh, a, it's a small game, and it is a, an I split, you choose. There are four things you have to do on... Uh, during your game, and there's four things I have to do. Um, and they involve, like, maybe presenting three cards and having your opponent pick one and you take the other two and play them. Uh, or present your opponent with two pairs of cards, and they'll take one pair and you take one pair. But you get to split the cards in your hand and put them together in any which way that you think you can manipulate your opponent into giving you what you want and maybe your opponent doesn't know what you're going for because they don't know what's in your hand. There's also a one of your turns is a a hidden scorecard element. So you put it down and so they don't know what that is. So they don't know, okay, am I, if I choose this pair, am I giving him these other things because maybe he has reinforcement under that card? Uh, There's just so much going on. And it's, it's, I don't think there is a straight up, this is the optimal strategy every single time because it, it so depends on the cards in your hand, depends on the cards that are going to come up for draw. It depends on what your opponents have, what they're playing for. 
Um, there's just, it is super smooth. We haven't ever come up with any elements where we're like, well, what do we do in that case? <laughs> I mean, it is black and white as black and white can be. Mm. Uh, it could not be any clearer what you do, how you do it, how to score, all of that. And um, it's very, very neat. And it's a beautiful, beautiful It's game. really beautiful, yeah. But I'm a big fan of uh, I Split You Choose mechanisms. And this is, this is to I Split You Choose how... Sushi Go is to drafting. <laughs> it is like, that's what it is. It, yeah. If you want somebody to define I Split You Choose, go buy this game and play it. Right. And you have literally seen as basic an element of uh, basic explanation of that game as there is. And and I, I love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah. It's a, uh, I, I don't think I've only played this twice, but I, I really remember liking it as well. It is, it's just satisfying, like you said. I mean, there's not much more to say about it. It does the mechanism really well and feels really satisfying. And your moves feel satisfying even though you know you're giving them something good. You're like, yeah, but I'm getting something really good. So right. it always feels like you're you're moving forward and not like frustrated by the by the system. Yeah, but you always there's always something you want to do. Oh, yeah. That you can't. So yeah. you have to determine out of the five things I want to do, I have to sacrifice at least a couple of them <laughs> because I'll never be able to do everything I want to do. You know, it also makes me feel like the, like, um, like, because it's a Japanese society or it's a Japanese based game and that sense of like politeness at all costs. So I always imagine them trying to like totally screw each other over, but like, I'm going to take this, but look, I'm giving this to you. Yeah, and see? even though it's not what they want and sometimes it is what they want. So you're like, it hurts to give that to them, but. Um, yeah, really satisfying game. I like it a lot as well. Agreed. All right, what do you got? Uh, my next one, I talked about this a little bit on the last episode. Um, this is Zia. This is just a game that I um, I really enjoyed. I've only played it once, but it's a big game. I just think it's just the... It does space exploration really, really well. And it was such a satisfying play. And I think the biggest thing that I enjoyed about it was... Or not the biggest thing, but one of the things that I was intriguing and really was an asset to gameplay that was a surprise was the NPC characters. I, uh, I went to the last time about how there were two NPC characters. I right. had this epic struggle on the one side of the game that we were all just riveted by <laughs> because you could like follow the story of this back and forth. that was, that was happening, but that struggle affected the rest of the game and how we played. And so it was really amazingly intertwined. And I thought that was just like mind blowing how well designed that was. Um, and then outside of that, the, it just captures the feel of being a space explorer um, uh, really well. Uh, you reveal the map as you explore the map. And one of the tropes of Zia is there is a um, uh, supernova star at, that will come out at some point. And so you can jump into unexplored space. But as the map reve is revealed, you never know if you're about to jump right into a star. So you always want to explore first. But sometimes right. you're like, oh, I'm so desperate. I need to move or else I'm <laughs> out of fuel. I'll risk it. And then and then you're in the star. Like, oh. And it almost, one game I there played, it, it almost happened. A friend of mine was like, I'm going to, oh, I really, no, I'm going to look. And he looked and it was the star. And so he, oh. <laughs> he was like the perfect, like, um, he trusted his instincts just enough to not avoid that. So it was just a satisfying gameplay. So I think Zia just is a, an amazingly well done space adventure game. And I actually, uh, Zia came up uh, at game group last week uh, with Aaron. He has it. And, oh, he does. Uh, oh, yeah. sweet. And uh, he really, play. he really, really likes it a lot. So he, we were talking about it. Uh, he feels the same way you do. And uh, 
it sounds amazing. I've never played it. Yeah, we should I've, definitely uh, get a play in for sure. I think you'd really like it. I've seen like a review and kind of playthrough of it, so I have a basic idea. But a lot of these games, especially the bigger games, you don't get the feel. Like I watched, uh, I must have watched a dozen playthroughs and everything else of um, Ti Four. Ti Four, yeah. And didn't really get it until we sat down to play, and I'm like, oh, this is the experience. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is how it feels. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but he he really really enjoys it. So. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome! I didn't know anyone had it. So that's exciting. <laughs> yes, he does. All right. What else? What you got? All right. Um, so I my next one is um, I'm just gonna get this one out of the way. Uh, Parade. Ah, I knew it. Um, yeah, I've maintained since the first time I played this game that if they're was a game out there that I could say, you know what? I'm going to put my name as the designer on that <laughs> one. Uh, if I could go back in time and do, that would be the one. And it, it's still, it's, it's got to so be great. there. It's it so is satisfying. So smooth. And it is just, it's, it stands the test of time. We play it so much. We've played it at game group. We'll play, four or five, six times in a row towards the end. We'll play it in the beginning. Some people play it in the middle. A um, couple other people now have bought it. I know. We have like so, so many copies floating around game night. It's hilarious. Yeah, but it's, it's great. It's great so for that. It's so it's, versatile. It's phenomenal. And it's so easy to teach. And that's really one of my, my favorite things about it is um, the first time somebody plays... They may it may be kind of marginal whether they really get it or not. Sometimes yeah. people will be like, "Oh, it's the I got to collect one of all six. Right, no, no, right. no, 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 no. <laughs> do not do that. Don't stop, do stop, that. Stop, stop, stop. <laughs> um, but then once they play it once, you can see as soon as we score at the end of the game, everyone go like lights come yeah. on. They're like, click. Let's do that again. Yeah. And then it they're right there with everybody else. Yeah. I I don't feel like it. It has like. I don't feel like it has the the issues that chess has where it's like, you know, if you play it a lot, you're just so much better at it than everybody else. Um, Everybody's on a level playing field. If you understand how to play it, you have as much chance to win as anybody else. I lose more often than I win, and I have probably played it more times than anybody (laughs) at game group. Um, Yeah. So uh, it is, it's so smooth. I really, really like it. Uh, It's easy to teach it's uh the, the mechanisms are are very straightforward and they're innovative yeah you know it's uh just works on every level yeah uh, i've never seen anybody i've seen hardcore gamers love it i've seen you know uh people who show up and they're like well i know how to play rummy oh, okay <laughs> all right well you, yeah, you'll yeah get we this. can still play this yeah it'll be fine um so that's that's my uh it's my number two um yes well i also have parade this is the crossover we both knew we would have uh i also have parade in mind so i'll just tout it's it's laurels as well it's just a great game like you said it's just smooth it's so smooth this is one i bet that yeah, too, yeah. <laughs> uh it's just so smooth and the other thing that's great about it is it plays up to six people which is which is awesome it's such a versatile game for like you're saying for a lot of needs um in a game group but also just playing with a group of people that may not be gaming friends so if you're out at a bar i mean mm-hmm. probably not out with more than six people most of the time not and normally so, uh, six people that i want yeah, exactly, to exactly yeah six people and then that guy gary is back <laughs> but um it's been actually my game that i've taken to um like we had a family reunion recently and i took it up there because i just game that i i like to play 
Um, but I know I'll have fun as well introducing to non-gamers. It's not a game that I'm like, well, this is on their level, and it's okay. <laughs> but it's a game like, oh, I like this game, and they're going to like this game, and they're going to get this game. So it's just a great game. It's so well designed. Yeah, my wife uh, two weekends ago, had a, they went up to the mountains and got a condo, like the six of them. And um, my wife brought, the only game she brought was Parade. Oh, that's great. And they played it, and everybody, I think every single person has mentioned parade since yeah. then so it we need to try to get sponsorship from uh <laughs> what's the whoever. from arc Light games <laughs> right oh z-man actually z-man, z-man. publishes okay, the us version shouldn't be too bad because we love this game we do really love this game so it's embarrassing how much <laughs> we love this game i also think like the i was thinking the other day too about um it's subtle but it's it's basically a wonderland parade it's alice in wonderland parade and it's just mm-hmm. it's so it's paced and on kind of, but, but oh, it yeah. works really well for this. Like I was trying to think of another theme that would have been as satisfying because it, you don't get into the theme, but the sort of the silly surrealness of the theme mm-hmm. fits so well to the fact that there's just like these in basically borderline insane Alice in Wonderland characters right. lining up in an endless parade. They're just fine with this and just get back in line. And then, I don't know, it's just sort well, of the re- crazy weirdness of Alice. Realistically, Wonderland. you could reskin this as anything. Totally. Yeah. Literally anything that you can come up with six somethings. Yeah. And you can reskin this. It's uh nobody plays this for the theme yeah this is kind of like the equivalent of you know playing pinochle or hearts right you know it's it's just it's a game that's fun because it engages everybody and it's easy and it's quick and it plays a lot of people and it's just it's silly i i love it but also I can't think of any other Alice in Wonderland games. I'm sure there's some out there, but any other that I've ever played, and I feel like it's such an inviting theme. If it was like Orcs or something like that, I think people would be turned off of it yeah. to a more of a degree or sci-fi or whatever. It's just so cool that they went with something totally different. We're just like, if we can do anything here, so let's just make this yeah, they nothing you're expecting. Yeah, they didn't alienate anybody with the uh, with the theme because I don't think there's anybody that's like, Alice in Wonderland, what the hell is that? <laughs> or, you know, I'm not going to let my kids near that. Or, you know, that's just not Lewis my Carol, thing. Lewis Carroll, what yeah, a slut peddler. Or smut peddler, not slut peddler. That's something Whoa. different. <laughs> He's a pimp, yeah. But. He's a pimp. Lewis Carroll, <laughs> well known for his pimping. <laughs> the pimp parade. <laughs> Yeah. That w- now that would be a game <laughs> that I would be interested in seeing. Yeah, I don't know. If Reskin <laughs> parade. I wouldn't sell as many copies, that or maybe a, more. That'd be amazing. Yeah. The pimp parade. <laughs> What's up, bitches? Whoa! <laughs> they went a whole new direction for the reskin of this. The redesign. The inevitable redesign. All right. Uh, well, I did parade basically again. So, what, why don't okay. you finish yourself? Uh, so, my my number one game that I wish I had designed. Um, this game has uh, holds an unusual spot in my heart. Um, <laughs> wow! Because my my wife, I really have to struggle to get her to play this with me. Um, and it's not the game because she loves this game. Uh, it's it's me. <laughs> um, I at one point in time lost to her. Uh, oh, I think I know a like game that's eight or nine times in a row. <laughs> I think I might know what this game is. And I got so angry and so mad. And she's like, let's just stop. And I'm like, no, I am going to play this until I win it at least once. And she's like, okay. Right. And it was, it, was, it was as dark as I've ever gotten. Um, and I think it was just because it's, it was so, uh, I, I had so much 
difficulty uh, initially really wrapping my head around exactly how what the right strategy here was. Um, and this, this is uh, Capital Lux. So capital L-U-X. Yep. Um, and it is stunning. It is absolutely amazing. It's, it's super simple. Um, it's, uh, I'm not going to try and work out all the mechanics uh, here, but um, it's very, very innovative in that it requires that you uh, balance cards that you're scoring versus cards that you use to gain special abilities that may help you score later, but maybe aren't uh, don't give you points now. But you also have to balance out. Um, <clears throat> you can't have more cards uh, at the end of the round. You can't have more cards in front of you than there are spaces for on the main board. So when you play a card on the main board, uh, it doesn't score for you, but it, you can use a power but it also increases the number of that card that people can have in front of them. So you kind of help everybody a little bit uh, when you help yourself and you gain this power. Usually the power is more than worth it. Um, and this sounds totally incoherent. I'm, yeah, it's I'm like a hard game positive. to explain. It, it's very difficult to explain without looking at it. Right. To kind of show, because it's, it's very spatial Yeah. Uh, in that it has like a capital city in the middle of the uh, middle of the table. And then you have, you know, your hometown tableau in front of you. Um, and, but it's, it just, it works. It's incredibly smooth. It's uh, I now don't get as frustrated with it because <laughs> I have a much more solid idea of uh, some of where the end game will bring you. Um, right. But it is, uh, it's such a great game. I, it's so good. Um, seriously, if you see it somewhere or if you know somebody that has it, it's called Capital Lux. And I promise you, if nothing else, you'll at least walk away from that game going, this is different than anything I've ever played yeah. before. So I really, really enjoy it. I will play it with anyone anytime. Yeah, I like. I haven't played it in a long time, um, but I re I remember playing it several times and really enjoying it. I had the similar experience though, where I was like, I don't get this, because like, it's not that complicated. It's just like, for some reason, it just took a minute to or a playthrough or two to like really get. Okay, what am I supposed to be doing here? Like, how do these interplay with each other? Because right. when they when you figure it out, it's very seamless and it works really really well. But it seems a little counterintuitive when you're first playing. Yeah, and it's not super easy necessarily to explain right off the bat, which is kind of it's one downside. But I've never seen any other game do what this does. Yeah, the way that it does, and uh, it's just to me, it was so innovative the first time I played it i'm like wow yeah. there's so few games that i'll play once and go wow i'll play just like you know res arcana or whatever and arcana <laughs> and i'll just be like yeah that huh yeah, yeah that was fun yeah it was, yeah. It was fine that's <laughs> yeah. that game was fine uh i would play it i guess but not it's not wow yeah you know and uh and this game's art is probably not going to blow you away. There's only four pieces of art. It's really beautiful, thing. though. Um, it's like hand-painted. Like yeah. hand I, I like the art. It's, it's very ha hand-painted. 
Um, it's not blow you away kind of art though. Mm -hmm. And it's just a bunch of cards and some, they call them wooden discs, but they're square, uh, (laughs) gold discs, they keep calling them, but they're, they're gold squares, uh, made of wood. Uh, so it's not like stunning to behold or anything. It's just a great, great game. And that's my number one. Yeah. I agree. Also a good game. Uh, okay. My number one, um, and this just is in the wish I had designed category is, uh, just a simple, straightforward two player game that I played and was like, this is so, <laughs> I wish I would have designed this. And that's patchwork. Patchwork is so simple, but works so well. And is so, <laughs> I think I was thinking, I think it's the game I go through phases of playing the uh, mobile app because uh, a friend of mine um, borrowed my game and then <laughs> broke up with his girlfriend. And then <laughs> I'm not sure where Patchwork <laughs> went or I lent the game. I shouldn't say he mm. makes it sound like he took it, but I lent it to them and then um, they broke up and the game, um, I think I think he messaged me recently and said <laughs> he still has it. But anyway, I haven't tracked it down. So I play the mobile app a lot. And I think this is the game I play the most. I go through phases of playing this where suddenly it's the game I'm playing the most because the mobile app's really well done. But Patchwork is just an, um, so satisfying, a theme that's unexpected but works really works really well for the game. You're just basically building a quilt with little patches. Yeah. That's it. And you're putting these patches, but the patches are not necessarily square. In fact, none of them are perfectly square. They're like Tetris shapes that you're trying to stitch into your quilt. And you're going to do it haphazardly. There might be holes in your quilt, but then you have these little leather squares that you can, if you get to that area first, you can put them in place and fill those gaps. Um, and you are earning little buttons um, to pay for bigger and better pieces, but the buttons are points at the end of the game, so you have to offset how much you're spending versus how much you're earning. And so it's a real great mix of uh, the luck of the game, but also pretty surprisingly deep strategy knowing uh, what pieces are coming up, what are going to be available to you, and what's going to be available to your opponent. So you have the ability to be offensive and defensive um, in way, unexpected ways. So Patchwork was a game that just blown me away, and I was just like, God, this is so simple. Like, you can buy these pieces, uh, you can spend this amount, uh, and they'll give you this, and if not, don't. <laughs> and that's pretty much it. And then, yeah. But you have to do that choice correctly to make the game work. So oh, just a great game. Well, and I, I've played this with you a few times, and uh, I I think this is a phenomenal game, too. This is one of those games that you initially look at, and you're like, oh, yeah, quilt building? <laughs> yeah. Gag. Oh, my God. I'd rather almost do anything than build a quilt. Um, but it it works astoundingly well. It's, it's very smooth. It's a very clean design. Um, it, it has a lot of deep strategy to it. It's not, um, for, for a game that is this from the outside looking in this silly and simple looking, um, it really is not, it, uh, it's not heavily, heavily luck based. Um, I think that it's, uh, it's very innovative. Uh, it's got a lot of really, really cool, design quirks in it and uh and yeah this is a very cool game very easy to explain as yeah. well um i remember it only took a couple minutes i'm like all right well let's give it a try and i think i won that one so yeah um it it's yeah it's yeah you get it pretty quick good good points all the way around so yeah i think uh this is another one where you're like did somebody just design this game and be like what should we 
Like it's got to be a theme, right? Yeah. We don't want to put out like ch- basically another version of chess. <laughs> what should we do? How about making a quilt? What? That it actually does, went. It through. does seem like Yui Rosenberg is just kind of looking around the room that he's designing games in because his next he sort of has the following games after Patchwork are take similar mechanisms from that, like uh, Cottage Gardens, and mm. there's another one where they both have a s- similar mechanism style, and it just feels like he was just doing negativity, and yeah. then he's like, oh, there's a wife's quilt. Uh, I guess it's about quilting, and then he's in the garden later. I guess this one's about digging in a garden. I don't know. And yeah. So it feels like he just looks around that, the room. That's an Uve game? Yeah. So he also did uh, Bonanza, which is about bean farming. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's uh, it's definitely he. I think he looks to his environment yeah. to find out what he should be. It I'm works su- well, but yeah, I'm surprised we haven't gotten like a some sort of hey, let's go shopping at the market game from him or something. <laughs> it's probably developing that. Yeah, sh- the shopping list game where your whole goal <laughs> yeah. is to just uh, chores of the day, come the up game, with shopping list game, yeah, <laughs> raking the game. <laughs> yeah, just really simplified. <laughs> It's just one leaf. You're trying to get one leaf into the pile. And yeah. It gets stuck on your rake. You've got to figure out a way to get it off. But you got to figure. you got to figure. Uh, to be that well-known a designer and to put out that many super popular games. Yeah. Super popular. Uh, they're not super popular because of their themes. No. You know they're not. No. Because nobody gives two flying shits about these themes. Yeah. Nobody wants to go like work in a shed. You know? Yeah. Nobody wants to bean farm. Nobody wants to uh, you know, build a quilt in, yeah. in a game, right? So, so there ha- that has to say something about these designs and how innovative and enduring they are, and how much they just catch people because they're almost at a disadvantage to begin with on the shelf. It they're seems all, like it, yeah, yeah. They'd have to be at a disadvantage. I think the only reason he can put out some of these at this point is because he's built up so yeah. much goodwill that people know hey, it's going to be good. I move a Rosenberg. Yeah. Everyone's going to be like, okay, I'll play I'll play your game about dumpster diving or whatever. <laughs> I, what, I don't care. Yeah, you got a game about rose petal clipping. Just going okay. through the mail. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Next up for Uwe Rosenberg, junk mail. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Signing up for the do not call list. That's got to say something about his designs. Yeah. And I mean, it's amazing, too, because his themes are so unexpected. They're very subtle. But they also, a lot of games, you lose the theme right away and get into the gameplay. His themes still feel part of it. Like Patchwork, you you always feel like you're building a quilt. That never goes away, even though you get, get into the math of it. It always feels like you are competitively building a quilt with someone. Yeah. It's really amazing. So he's got... He's got an amazing ability. And like and Bonanza. You're yeah. bean farming. Yep. Like we've played that dozens times, and yeah, dozens yeah. and dozens of times. I mean, that's that's just we play it all the time and have played it a million times. And you you do kind of feel like because yeah. of the the drawings and everything and you're constantly, you know, you're trading stuff with people and you're you're laughing at the silliness of, you know, these red beans or these stink <laughs> beans, you know, that basically like a big blah 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 crap <laughs> and you're like ah oh, stink beans so you're constantly in the theme yeah and it's totally. it's it's a theme that you're uh, you initially are figuring okay it's got to be painted on but it it really does a good job yeah. of integrating it i don't it does I, I don't know it feels like you're say, like a bunch of bean farmers hanging out negotiating over like <laughs> seasonal yeah. choices it really feels feels yeah. apt it feels and like i'm, I'm growing these beans when they get to a certain point i'm gonna harvest them up you know yeah it's uh it doesn't it doesn't feel mechanical like you would think something with this theme would. So Yeah. Definitely impressive there. 
agree with patchwork all right well that does it those are our wish we had designed our top fives so that's probably a good place to say goodbye to you guys we do have some um exciting news coming up we'll just tease here a little titillating yes. tease teasing we were um we've had some news about the direction that our game is taking and where it's going to go so the news will be progressing over in about four or five weeks about five weeks we'll have some concrete um actionable stuff that we'll be able to tell you but basically what's happening is our game is going to gen con with our publisher and they are going to um run it around the loop there and play with some uh experienced players publishers um at gen con and get some uh, more feedback so we can start the final process of or the initial process of uh re-examining the game and its preparation for publishing and yeah. so and he did he did let us know that he does not uh he's not believe in changing designs himself he wants to give us the designers the feedback and if it's something that we feel is actionable uh or what have you then we can uh do another iteration of the game but he's not going to be like okay we're changing this we're changing this we're changing this uh we're retheming this we're doing this which a lot of the horror stories you hear especially first time designers is yeah i presented this game my this wild west you know fighting game and it finally got released it's uh takes place in space and it's, <laughs> it's uh it's a lot of territory <laughs> control right mostly um yeah. yeah, it used to have dice. Now it's got cards. In fact, it literally has nothing to do with the game. <laughs> now it's a spinner. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Can you imagine a horse? Hey, have you guys thought of incorporating a spinner into this? Like, I don't even know why my name is on this game, <laughs> if we're being honest. Yeah, no, it seems like it's really, um, it's up to us, kind of how, like, they'll have, it really, we're really excited because it seems like we're going to have a lot of freedom to um, take any input uh, as we want to do, as we want to incorporate in the game and, and have a lot of leeway there. So it feels like they're, We'll get a lot of great input, hopefully, from um, experienced designers and players and publishers from Gen Con, and then we can take it as we want. Um, so we're, we're really excited. So Gen Con is in four weeks now from um, today's end, I guess. August, uh, it's first week of August, like first, second, third, and fourth. Now, depending on when, yeah, this, when we when we this release podcast this, so. releases, it could just be a couple weeks. So. Yeah, so knowing it's, it's in the beginning of August. So second week of August, so we'll probably be talking about or when we record once again sometime in august when we release the episode after that we'll be talking about the results and our the feedback we got and where we think we'll take uh the game from there and then um we'll let you guys know we can't when we're super excited yes getting very excited so all right guys well thanks for listening and we will uh catch you next time don't forget to check us out on twitter at roasted games one uh you can also check us out on eavesdrop.com our podcast network and leave us a comment E-A-S-E-DROP.com. And uh, where else can they reach us? Uh, Instagram. Instagram, of course. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Facebook. You search Roasted Games on Facebook and look for our logo. Um, and yeah, that's that's about it. You know, if you're in Denver, maybe you could just like lean your head out the window and yeah, just yell out. for Bill and Kaz. And, and we'll come a running. It's certainly possible <laughs> that we could be somewhere close to you. So, well, yeah. and I I think I think it'd be really fun if we did have a listener that happened to be either in town or coming through town. Reach out to us. We'd love to have you come. If you're in town on a Tuesday, come to a game night or absolutely um, hang out. We'd love to see you. So anyway. Do that, and uh, we'll respond as quickly as we our little fingers can type back to you. 
and uh, I don't know where to go from there. Yeah, I think that's about it. That's thanks. about it. It's getting a little weird. Yeah, thanks, <laughs> thanks for listening. Uh, we enjoyed, and uh, hopefully you did too. All right. Talk See to you next week. See you guys.